This podcast contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. This episode is brought to you by Cycle Ops, the number one bike trainer brand in the USA. Check them out at cycleops.com. And for the listeners of this podcast, we have a giveaway. How awesome is that? Go to swimbikemom.com forward slash giveaway to find out how you can win one of Cycle Ops' awesome products and bike trainers. One of the most amazing things about Cyclops is that they are advocacy centric. That is the core of who they are. They believe in the bike and they dedicate $100,000 every year to support local, state, and national advocacy organizations to make our country a great place to bike. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day. And it's what we do with those 24 hours that makes all of the difference in our health, our happiness, and our success. Today's episode is with John Kim, also known as the Angry Therapist. He created a blog on Tumblr 100 years ago. Okay, maybe not 100, but a while ago, and he titled his first post, My Fucking Feelings. (laughs) He named his blog The Angry Therapist and started to document his journey after his divorce. Divorce. Even though he was a licensed therapist, John chose not to present himself that way. He wore a t-shirt and jeans, preferred the language of me too as opposed to you should, and he blogged about his shortcomings, revelations, and his views on relationships. He had one post and then another that really resonated with people, and he skyrocketed in popularity on the internet, creating his own school of life coaching called Shift. Enjoy this episode with John Kim and check out his new book, The Angry Therapist, A No BS Guide to Finding and Living Your Own Truth. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I have a great guest for you today. John Kim is here. Welcome, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your background and how you became the angry therapist. Okay. Um, so I, I'm so sick of my story. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, see, that's the thing. People I do that know. to me too. And I'm like, uh, blah, 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 blah. But you have to yeah. tell your story as passionately as you did the first time because no absolutely. one knows. Come on. Like, absolutely. And, and I tell people. deep breaths? <laughs> Yeah, and I tell people to embrace their story, of course. And I'm not trying to rip out this chapter. I think I just, I've just said it so many times, but um, but it's important. So yeah, I I went through a divorce about uh, seven eight years ago and uh, had to start all over, and you know, kind of left with nothing. And uh, you know, when when you start all over, the great thing is, you know, when you shake your life etch a sketch that hard, the great thing about that is you can you know rebuild your life. And so I. Uh, had this little computer. <laughs> my, my parents bought me a computer because Korean parents, they, they just buy you things or they try to, to when you're going through a uh, hard shit. And so, um, <laughs> I had this little laptop and I didn't know what to do. I, I wanted to boycott television cause I grew up on television. I wanted to, you know, do something more productive. So I created a blog, uh, Tumblr was kind of big at the time. So I, I did it on that and I called it the angry therapist and I just started documenting. And, uh, the first post was called my fucking feelings. And that kind of set the tone for everything. <laughs> Uh, and I think people thought, you know, it's kind of interesting that there's this, uh, therapist talking about his feelings. And so, um, I pulled the curtain back and I just showed myself and that turned into, um, questions and then that turned into, uh, sessions. And then I had a full practice. So you were a therapist before this 
before you became the angry therapist. I was, you know, I was in training to become a therapist. So I was documenting that, that journey. Okay, cool. Yeah. When I started the blog. So, um, how did you grow this, this blog into such a amazing business and following. I mean, was it an organic process? Because like I know with my blog, I just kind of wrote and then people started coming along and then it became a thing. Was it similar yeah. with you? Yeah, 100%. It, it was all organic. I didn't have any kind of plan. Um, I was on my clinical journey and, and I was going to work at a treatment center. That's what I was doing. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with this thing. And, it, and I, I noticed that in the uh, the clinical workspace, I kind of felt like uh, Clark Kent uh, pushing a mail cart. <laughs> and then when I came home and, and I was helping people online and I started to work in unconventional ways, I felt like Superman. I felt like I was given a, a cape. It was really empowering. So I decided to listen to that. Uh, and then I just went full steam ahead on working with people online and, and meeting them in coffee shops and walks and CrossFit boxes and all that stuff. So... What was it that you found was the main commonality? Like, what drew people to you? Was it the fact that you just told your story and you were honest? Was it your teaching methods? Like, let's talk a little bit about how you grew as a therapist, especially in this online business. Sure. Um, I think that the system is broken. I think when you come out of the other end, um, you know, in, in training and stuff, and you you're, you have, we have to do 3,000 hours, and that is a, that is a long that's the ocean as far as like, you know, swimming. It's very hard to see the island when you have to do that many hours. Um, I think people get uh, scared and, and they get um, unmotivated and they get discouraged very fast. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this I just think that the system is uh, and, and, and because of that, I was like, you know, there's got to be a better way to help people help people. And that's when I decided to create a uh, my own life coaching course and life coaching at the time was kind of a joke. Um, but it's become legit now. I mean, there are so many life coaches, uh, because of the, the overlap, you know, with fitness and nutrition and meditation and, and all those people that are already helping other people, they also want to life coach. Uh, and so I think that's kind of going to be the, I mean, you know, therapists aren't going to go away. Um, but I think life coaching is kind of going to be the new temperature, the new way to help people. So people that are kind of unsure about life coaching, because it kind of, I guess, got a bad rap maybe in the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Like, right. Yeah. So what is the new, what is your vision for life coaching? And what, what do you, what do you entail? Do you, do you have people create a plan for their entire life? Do you kind of narrow it to career? Does it depend on no, the person? I, I, I think um, to, to be a life coach, you have to have a niche uh, to be a successful one. You can't just say, I'm going to coach you on life and you know and i know everything about life i mean you can't i think it has to be a uh, you have to specialize in something so whether it's relationships or you know trauma or whatever um and then once you get in that way then you can have conversations about you know of course other things in life mm-hmm. so, so you, are, you you there's a lot of specialists i guess you would say so what would your specialty be what would your niche um, be? It's interesting because I, I, I was the guy who went through a divorce, but I ended up being the relationship guy, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and I also kind of became the, the, uh, almost the anti-therapist in a way. Yeah. You know? So what, what do you know about relationships? <laughs> uh, absolutely <What> is- <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I don't know anything. No. So you came out know- of a bad marriage. What is your I- whole take on marriage and bad marriages? <laughs> Come on. You've got to, yeah, you've got yeah. And I don't, I don't want to define my, my marriage as bad at all. I, I got married young, you know, we're two kids in Hollywood pursuing entertainment. Uh, there was something romantic about it, but also 
uh, it's hard to, to have a, a relationship, let alone a marriage in that business, in that world. Um, we were just kids, you know, that's it. Uh, and, it and it expired. But I, I, I think relationships are hard. I think that uh, I have this little tattoo on my arm that I got for myself um, to love harder because I think we give up. I think we, we uh, have distorted definitions of love. Um, I think we don't put in the work, you know, all that stuff. I think we're always looking over the fence, uh, especially the the new generation, the swipe culture. I think that uh, we're so used to instant gratification. We're so used to choices. Um, someone on one of my calls uh, <laughs> compared it to, uh, you know, salad dressing relationships and dating and how how <laughs> they feel like there's so many options that they can't <laughs> pick one. And, and you know, I, I get all that, but it when you have that kind of mindset, it, it's very hard to be present and to really build something, you know? Do you find that, um, it's easier if you get people kind of on the front end of a relationship to, to work with them, or is it easier to kind of bring one back from the dead? Uh, no. Well, you know, what's interesting is people don't usually call me or a relationship coach or a therapist until their relationship is in, is like in really bad shape. Yeah. Right. They don't, uh, it's not like the gym where people maintain, or they're like, hey, everything's great, but let's just call a relationship coach anyway just to you know, maintain our relationship. Like, no one does that. <laughs> uh, they should, absolutely. But right. they come to you when it's, it's almost too late. They come to you when you know, people have cheated or, or there's been abuse or you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and so that's tough. Yeah. So what are some of the questions you ask people when do – they, do they usually come to you as a couple? Um, I've had both. I've had couples. I've had uh, – uh, individuals I've had, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, everything. So what are some of the questions that you sort of, they come to you and they say, Hey, my relationship appears to be heading South and I think it's over. Like what are uh, some of the questions you ask them to really dig in and address? Is my relationship over? You know, am I willing to work at this? I think it's, I mean, it, it depends on the situation. I, um, I have my own language. I talk a lot about containers and having a safe space. I talk a lot about non-negotiables. I think that we, um, when it comes to love and dating and relationships, uh, because of feelings, we, we end up negotiating a lot. And of course, you know, relationships are about compromise and negotiations, but it's not about compromising self or negotiating yourself. And I think we do that too much. Um, it depends on the situation. I mean, there's so many different unique situations on why relationship uh, a, a relationship isn't working, you know? Yeah. Do you find that a lot of times it's the problem is with us as individuals that we just don't know what we want? Um, I think that's, that's one piece. Um, I think it, it's always – it's hard. I think the, the challenge is to look inward. I think whenever something goes south, we um, it's easy to blame the other person mm -hmm. and why they're doing this or, you know, what. And I think we have to all look inwards first and and see if it's something in us that we can change or, you know, uh, that we can repair or heal from. And that can shift the dynamic of the relationship. I think if everyone did that, uh, relationships would last longer and they would, you know, we'd all have healthier fights, et cetera. Um, but it's this blaming and, and seeing the other person is defective or the other person needs to change. And when we're doing that, we instantly pick up, uh, uh, the tug of war rope. And then instead of, you know, being in it together, now we're, um, you know, on the opposite. Right. Well, so when you started blogging and writing about your relationship, 
Was there one particular story or post that you can kind of point to that really resonated with people and kind of sent your blog on a trajectory? I mean, I know as for me, I have like a handful that I can really remember writing and, um, or not even really remember writing, but posting them and remember, you know, people coming because of that. Like what was one of the stories you shared? There was, um, there was one post I wrote, um, on a plane and I just kind of write everything on my phone. And, um, I don't, you know, I don't sit down and say, okay, I need to write X amount of articles. I'm always writing something or thinking about something or doing some silly video or something. And I was on a plane and I just decided to, to uh, this, this idea came up. I just, you know, like, how do you know, um, how do you know, how do you know that you love someone? How do you know, you know, what's the, your definition of love or, you know, and so I wrote it. I remember I was coming home from Georgia and I wrote it really fast on my plane and I um I was writing for Mind Body Green at the time and it went like viral. I mean it got like hundreds of thousands of uh of likes and um and that was kind of the that was kind of one of the articles that uh people really resonated to, you know. Uh and then I also wrote this thing for Psychology Today about um the the five things or the few things you know that 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 crack your container or that you know um, makes a relationship uh, quote unquote toxic or lopsided and that seemed to hit a note with people so um, articles about love really hit really <laughs> yeah I mean th- I those are why. like love and relationships just because I think everyone can relate you know and everyone's been there and it's it's a universal thing yeah so let's talk about that article in Psychology Today what are some of the things that that you said crack your container? Uh, sure. Let's, uh, our container is our life space. It's our emotional, physical space that, um, that, we, that we have around us. And, and this is what my book's about. Whenever your, your container is uh, safe, that growth is promoted. It's, it's organic. We are evolving, curious creatures. You know, we're not just two-dimensional beings. Um, and then and most of us have cracks in our container, uh, and then if your container is cracked, then it stunts your growth. So, for example, if you're in an abusive relationship, your container is cracked, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, there's like, you know, big cracks. You know, if you're if you're doing heroin, that's a big crack. Uh, if, you know, if it's other things that, you know, if you're if you have some friendships that are lopsided or if you're uh, other things, then they're, they're you're negotiating on a few things that maybe they're hairline cracks and maybe they're smaller cracks. So um, I think that we have the ability to build a brand new container. And this is what I did after my divorce. I kind of built my, rebuilt my life space, uh, both physical and emotional, mental. And by doing so, um, I started growing. I went through my rebirth and I uh, had revelations and learned a lot about myself and, and who I want to be and kind of shedded the old, you know. Yeah. What were some of the steps that you took to, to shed that? I mean, what, like, were there two or three things you can share that you can pinpoint hey this was yeah. really helped me on my trajectory absolutely on uh, the first day the first step is to be this is what i call the soil it's to be vulnerable it's to be transparent um not only honest with yourself not only not only honest with others but yourself you know and i think that's that's really hard to do is to really look at yourself and um everything that you want to change and where you're at in your life and accept it um that was kind of the very first step right and then, you know, then it comes down to uh, a, a lot of concepts like uh, I talk about unlocking your code, connecting with the part of you that you've locked into a hope chest. I think a lot of us, as life happens, we grow up, we get married, we pay taxes, <laughs> we forget about, you know, we forget, we disconnect with parts of ourselves. So I think 
a lot of us we're all we're all we all have parts we're not like one you know even though we're one being we have parts of ourselves um we have a pseudo side and a solid side i talk a lot about that and to have a safe container you got to pull from your solid side that's kind of your authentic truth side i love the hope chest idea that we all just kind of what is it dump our hopes and dreams into one place and yeah and and, uh, (laughs) sure and not only that but we disconnect with parts of ourselves that we used to like you know uh Mm -hmm. the example i always use is uh the happiest time in my life was in the 80s when I was like 11 and breakdancing and part of a crew and I remember <laughs> just getting lost in breakdancing. I would do it for hours where I'd lose track of time and, you know, hit flow states. And uh, it, it doesn't mean that as a 44-year-old man to, to start breakdancing again, although it could because that, that shit's back in now. <laughs> right. I, I was doing it when it was in the first time. But um, it, it means to connect with that part of you. And so the way that I did it was when I was going through my rebirth, I, I found that part of John Kim in uh, doing butterfly pull-ups in CrossFit or riding my motorcycle or, you know, in the, in the ocean or, you know, stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and so connecting with, it's never about the activity. It's about connecting with that part of yourself and establishing a relationship with that part of yourself. Right. And, and I okay. go back to kind of when I was a teenager, um, I was really into photography, like the original mm. way, you know, with a dark room and yeah. um, that kind of stuff. And it'd be kind of, I know people still use dark rooms, but at this point, you know, with digital yeah. photos, it's kind of ridiculous too. But um, not that I'm saying it's ridiculous, so no need to tag me on social media and say um, I hate darkroom photography. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so now, you know, that creative side kind of comes out in other ways. You know, I have a ridiculous right. Instagram that's just it's like 7,000 photos <laughs> that no one cares about. But it's just, it's still that, you know, photography element. So Right. And so here's the thing. If you were to ignore that creative side of you, then that would be you putting um, a part of you away, not giving that part of you a voice, and you will be less whole, and your container, there will be cracking your container. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, and totally and, does. and And your, your stunt, I mean, your, your growth will be stunted, and, and you won't as, expand in the way that you're supposed to. It's so true. I mean, tapping into to what you like and what feeds your soul. I didn't even know I was doing it at the time, but just you right. know, starting, and it was, you know, 15 years ago when MySpace was around. So I, like, took great uh, right. care with MySpace page. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was, was huge. But it was still that, like, creativity, that outlet. Yeah, and I think that, you know, what do we focus on? We focus on love and money. Like, that's kind of where we put all our weight and we forget about ourselves. We forget about things that we need, you know. And when you do that, you go from, and I talk about this a lot, you go from um, attracting to chasing. Yeah. If that makes sense. And uh, most of my life I was chasing. And when you're chasing, you're in a powerless state. Uh, when you're attracting, you're in a power-filled state. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. So let's talk about CrossFit. Okay. <laughs> so in my former life, I was an Olympic-style weightlifter. So I know. Oh, wow. That's amazing. The jerk and the snatch and all that stuff. Oh, so yeah. what, what do you love best about CrossFit? Um, my relationship with CrossFit has changed because, of course, it does with anything. Uh, when it first came out, I fell in love with it. I was going through my divorce. It was something new and exciting. It felt very like Fight Club. It was very yeah. underground. People were doing it in the garages and stuff. Um, and then, it, and then it blew up, and it, and Reebok got behind it. And it became super commercial, um, which is great. But I, I kind of lost the my love for it. Um, but I, I mean, I still do it once in a while. I don't do it as much. I don't compete. I don't. You know, I'm not into mm-hmm. it like I was. Uh, but yeah, I have had a long relationship. I've been doing it since it came out and, um, 
I think it's great. I, I kind of going back to the basics and fun, functional fitness, yeah. um, functional movements, you know, things that uh, we did in PE class, like pull-ups and push-ups <laughs> and all that. Uh, it also introduced me to um, what you used to do, uh, weightlifting. Yeah. And um, I, the art in that and the precision and the explosion, like all that was amazing. I, I used to be the guy that would go into a global gym and just do curls and I hated doing legs. So I, I looked like a pigeon and uh, <laughs> I just went and did biceps and right. you know, all for, for aesthetics. Um, and so CrossFit shattered that. And then I kind of uh, uh, learned a new, I mean, learned the, the value of fitness and, and, and whole body, you know. Yeah. So what is your take on things kind of coming into your life, serving their purpose, and then maybe not letting them go? But, so you know, it doesn't sound like you're huge into CrossFit anymore. And I think a lot of times when we dive into a hobby or a sport, mm-hmm. we feel like, oh, we put so much time into it. We have to stay in this forever and, you know, until we fizzle right. and die. Like, what's your right. take on that? And, and you know, um, we do that with relationships. We do that mm-hmm. with friendships. And uh, my take is that we, the word that comes to my mind is evolve. And um, I think everything, whether it's CrossFit or a friend or a partner, um, it's always a living, breathing thing. And your relationship with that thing is evolving, you know. And so it's not like, it's not like you hold, hold on to one thing and it's going to be the same for the rest of your life. I mean, even in a relationship or a marriage, within that relationship, people are growing and evolving and expanding and changing and the dynamic changes, the chemistry changes. Um, and, if you, and if you think that it's going to be one way and you want it to be one way uh, or feel a certain way forever, you're going to set yourself up for a, a big disappointment, you know? Yeah. I've, um, I, I'm in the sport of triathlon. That's kind of my, I guess, niche and mm. I see it all the time and I feel it. I mean, I, I'm going, I've, this is seven years for me kind of doing triathlon and you know, you have that, that rush at the beginning, like a relationship and then it kind of, you know, it can either keep going, I guess, yeah, really strong yeah. or kind of fizzle. And then you have to kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out, Hey, you know, what am I still pulling out of this sport? What is it still giving to me? What am I giving to it? And right. it's, it's an interesting journey for sure. Yeah, and also um, that it's, it's very um, extreme, isn't it? It's very um, all or yeah. nothing. It's very uh, yeah. you you're, you're either you either win or you you your whole life revolves around it, or you don't do it at all. Yeah, yeah. So, what is your um, sort of theory on the concept of suffering? You know, we hear that people, you know, I'm suffering. My life is so hard. I'm suffering. A lot of therapists and self-help folks I know have very swing very wide widely from one end to the other on the concept of suffering. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Um, I think suffering is a mindset. Um, so I know there's there's legitimate hardship. I know that uh, you know uh, people who have um, injuries and you know physical stuff and. And of course, it, it changes their life and it you know uh, prevents them from from thriving and, and all that's real. But I think a lot of people um, live in a to me state. So there's different states. There's to me. There's uh, you know by me, for me, through me. And to me is when you are you believe you're a victim. You believe that things you know you've been dealt shitty cards and things keep happening to you. And uh, and there's truth to that because there are things that happen in our lives that we can't control. You know, there's sexual assault. There's uh, car accidents, there's, you know, whatever, bankruptcy, there are things that happen and that devastate us. But if you take that mindset, you're creating your own prison, you're powerless, you know? Um, and I think that's where suffering lives is when you believe that, um, 
life is shit and you're a victim and and no matter what just bad things keep happening to you i think uh that can create a world of suffering um when you start living a through me life when you when you um actually don't make it about you and life is uh you know that, that you're kind of a conduit your prism and um there are bigger things working through you um that's gonna make you run toward your purpose and affect other people then you become fearless and you are no longer suffering does that make sense? Absolutely. How do how do you get out of the suffering loop? I mean, everything is such a habit and our thoughts are habits and we just replay the same shit in our heads over and over again. How do you um, break free of that suffering loop? It's it's breaking through the habits. Um, it's uh, trying to prove yourself wrong. It's uh, setting yourself up for experiences that shift your thinking. It's, uh, you know, changing your, your, your belief system is, it's not a, an easy, it's not a light switch. It's not a a self-help book it's a practice and it takes i mean think about changing your body uh how how much effort and work yeah. and how much you know like not only diet but like getting in the gym every day and i mean the the amount of work it takes to you know just even lose a few pounds it's a lot and and, and people think with self-help and self-betterment that it that you know you just listen to an audiobook and things should be changing immediately and it's how can it like it's that's not the way that the, the life works you know yeah, well, we all want what instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, and it goes it back now. to it goes back to kind of what we started talking about in the beginning was uh, whether it's a relationship or uh, self betterment that people, most people don't put in the work. They um, they talk about it, they have revelations, they think about it, they know what they want, they get excited about it, um, but they don't actually do the other half, the fifty percent of growth, which is the execution piece. And that's a big part where what you do with Shift, which is your life coaching intensive, that's a lot where, where that comes in, right? Yeah. Um, so I created uh, I created this about seven years ago, and now it's uh, we have a full team, and we've got a, a – I call it the full box of crayons when it comes to instructors. So we have um, t- people teaching uh, uh, life coaching in different areas of life coaching, like relationships, um, you know, uh, how to how to ask uh, the art of questioning and in my concepts positive psychology uh and uh yeah it's 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 exciting it's all online it's two hours every sunday and it's about 14 weeks and we're teaching people how to like the new way to help people so you're actually training life coaches through shift yes training and certifying them oh very cool so if someone was interested in hiring a life coach you have the roster of your certified oh yeah 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 we have like and i think we're up to like 150 now that's awesome that's awesome so let's talk about your book a little bit tell me what it is and and what people can expect to find in it yeah uh so my book is uh basically it's it's, i call self-help in a shot glass um because in order for me to understand something uh i have to like simplify it in its simplest terms and so when i was on my road to becoming a therapist uh you know in the clinical route there's so many dense concepts and theories and you learn all the stuff in grad school like you know of of psychodynamic and bowen family systems and narrative and all this and it gets so complicated and then at the end when you're done when you graduate you're like how am i supposed to help people it's it's just too dense and so i took what i was going through i took what i um was I took themes that I saw in clients and you know teenagers and residential and private practice and in my own life and I came up with this idea of um, containers this idea that if you build a safe life space that growth is organic you just have to live you know mm-hmm. and I thought um, 
I thought that could be primer. I thought that could be something no matter what you're going through, whether it's a divorce or an eating disorder or uh, whatever. Um, this is for everyone. You, you, this is the, the basics. And if you do this, you will expand. You will grow, you know? So what are some of the most outstanding stories you've seen? Say someone's come to you. I know obviously you can't tell specifics, but how, I guess, for lack of a better word, broken has someone come to you? And what have you done to help them? Maybe give us an example. Um, I've had everyone from um, someone who, you know, want, wanted to take his life. And, and um, well, he told me that I was kind of his last attempt. Oh, no is, pressure there, right? Yeah, no pressure there. I didn't want that pressure. Um, but stuff like that, you know. And I, I get a lot of people who um, have done therapy, are not a fan of it, or it wasn't effective, and they want to try something different. So because I have, you know, I wear two hats. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but I also work in unconventional ways. Um I go in casual instead of clinical. And so I think because of that, people come, they're drawn to me because they, they want to try something different, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've had everything from that to uh, marriages ending to uh, just tons of relationship stuff, um, dating, um, all that, you know, anything love related. Um, so what is your theory or what do you kind of do to help people? I, I heard you mention eating disorders. How does life right. coaching kind of interact with what we put in our bodies and our nutrition? Um, what do you mean? How does, how does life coaching interact? Like how you like, mean? Yeah. I mean, you said that you've helped people with eating disorders. I mean, how as a life yeah. coach do you kind of help people with that? Um, so creating a space to have, uh, have revelations about yourself, your thinking. And then, um, then the other half is making people accountable on executing their, their steps. I mean, that's kind of a simple answer, um, with eating disorder or with anything, it's really never about the behavior. It's about what's underneath. So with eating disorders, um, of course, the behavior is either not eating or binging, but um, it's stuff underneath. You know, it's the the feelings, it's uh, the false beliefs, it's um, you know con about control. It's about all these other things uh, that produce that behavior. So uh, it's 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 processing with the the client and getting opening the hood and getting to you know things that are deeper than the the actual behaviors. Right. So this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, and it comes from the idea that we're all given the same 24 hours in every day, but it's what we do in those hours that makes us happier, healthier, and more successful. So, John, what is something you do on a daily basis that you can kind of point to that's a, that, you know, adds to your success and your health and happiness? Mm, I think that um, amazing lives are built by rituals, you know, and uh I've got I've got many. So I, one of them is to sweat daily. If I don't sweat, I don't feel good about myself. Um, and it doesn't have to be CrossFit. It could be hiking. It could be yoga. It could be what you know, surfing. Whatever you know, whatever you do, whatever your thing is. Um, and the other thing I like to do uh, that I think we all forget to do is uh, seek nectar. I call it seeking nectar. I have this um, tattoo of a hummingbird on my bicep, and it just reminds me that um, being happy and, and, and is the ability to produce joy. And, it, and we all have that ability, and, but most of us feel like we can't do that unless something happens, like unless, you know, we, we get the girl or we get the car or the corner office or the raise or whatever. And so we all just live life hoping and crossing fingers and waiting for something that may or may not come. And so we don't allow ourselves to, to feel joy. Um, so I think it's a practice. And I think daily 
I am always um, producing nectar. So it, it, it doesn't have to be big. It could be, you know, the moment where you forget you're on your motorcycle and you become one and you feel like you're flying or your first cup of coffee or a meaningful conversation with a friend. Like I, I try to put a magnifying glass on all the little things that we already have. That's awesome. Well, John, thank you for taking time to speak with me. You guys, check out his book, The Angry Therapist, A No BS Guide to Finding and Living Your Own Truth. And he's on social media, what, everywhere at The Angry Therapist. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm, the, the, uh, I think Facebook is my biggest audience, but uh, okay. The Angry Therapist, yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, John, and good luck with everything you've got going on. Awesome. Thank you for having me, and thank you for um, the dialogue. I think Absolutely. Take care. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. A big thanks to Cycle Ops for sponsoring this episode and giving us a fantastic giveaway for the listeners of this podcast. Go to swimbikemom.com forward slash giveaway to see what's up from Cycle Ops and check them out at cycleops.com where you can learn about why they are the number one bike trainer brand in America. 